Good morning. This is AB, and this is the Talk About God podcast. Um, Father, thank you. Thank you for ornery little boys who get me out of bed on a day I was really hoping to sleep in. Thank you for cookies, for coffee, for the very breath in my lungs, for my health, um, and the ability to fight off something as stupid as a cold. I do feel old, though, because it's it's much harder than what I remember it to be. Um, proving to be a formidable foe. So I do thank you, though, um, for all of it. Thank you for our home and our family, modern medicine. Um, I don't know. And just this drizzly little day where you're taking care of my tomato plants um, so I don't have to which I very much appreciate Um, Father I'm not gonna lie this next section the very end of Judges chapter 19 through I don't know 20 something where it ends it's rough and by rough I mean like I don't like it. I do not like it at all, Father. So I need your help in getting through it and understanding it. I pray that you don't let me lead anyone astray. Um, I pray that you use these cookies (laughs) to bless and nourish my body. Because they're really good. And I get it, they're not the best breakfast, but they give me a lifted spirit. How about that? So, Father, the Levite, chapter 19 of Judges, picks up with a Levite, which we know is supposed to be of the priestly tribe. He's obviously not very good, because it immediately says, first things first, When there was no king in Israel. So that means they're all doing what they want to do still. Whatever it is that they want to do still. Um, That he took a concubine for himself. Which, I know, we're not surprised anymore, right? He essentially has a sex slave. Not okay with that. At all. Somehow it's become normal here in the Jewish culture at this period of time. And it says here that she essentially is a secondary or inferior wife, often a slave, most lower, much lower in rank than the official wife who managed the household and gave birth to the legitimate children. Concubines had marital rights to financial support and recognition. Their children were usually acknowledged as offspring of the man, but were of a lower status than the children born to the official wife. <coughs> That's messed up. But anyway. Um, she leaves him. Says she's unfaithful to him, but I, I'm not going to lie. My heart says that she just decided she didn't want to be there anymore. She goes home. So she goes home. He goes and goes after her to speak kindly and tenderly to her in order to bring her back. Taking a servant and a pair of donkeys. 
So he goes to her father's house. Dad's happy to meet him. His dad spends five days trying to convince him to just stay there. Gives him all kinds of reasons as to why he didn't have to leave. I think dad's trying to protect his daughter. Keep her home. Keep her safe. At that point, she's only wife there. Which I'm sure was nice for her too. Which is why in the end, on the fifth day, she goes with him. They stay until it gets late. Father is saying, hey, it's late. Just spend the night. And he's like, no, I'm not staying anymore. We're leaving. So they leave. They get on the road. And his um, servant is like, can we not just, let's stay here. Let's go to this city and this Jebusite city and spend the night. Here's what gets me. He says, we will not turn aside to any city of foreigners who are not the sons of Israel. We will go as far as Gibeth, Gilbeth, whatever. So they push on, determined to spend the night with the other Israelites. I point that out because what happens next is just downright awful. So they get to Gibeth, and it's it says in Judges 19, chapter or verse 4, rather, chapter 19, verse 4, verse 14. Ooh, it's gonna be a day. Gibeth, which belongs to the tribe of Benjamin. <coughs> they turned aside there, and they go to spend the night, and they go to the town square, and they wait. And that's what happened back in that day. You went to the town square and you waited for someone else in that community to be kind enough to take you in. Because we remember, God had told Israel to be nice to the foreigners. um, Because they themselves were once foreigners. (coughs) So, he goes and he sits in the middle of the town square. Him, his servant, his two donkeys, and his secondary wife. He gets late. Finally, an old man coming in from the field comes up, offers him a place to stay, and just says, please, whatever you do, like, you can come with me. You're welcome to stay. I'll take care of you. Just do not spend the night in the open square. Now, that should be some indication of what kind of city this is. Um, I don't know if anybody, like, I mean, I feel like we've all been to places where we were told, whatever you do, just don't be out after dark. And if you haven't had that pleasure, it's terrifying. So you're welcome. I have. Um, I have been warned about being out after dark um, in different cities. And it's a very, very strange feeling. Um, But (coughs) regardless, the man goes with him to his house. They stay. While they're having um, dinner and, you know, a good time celebrating, whatever. Men, and this is, I'm, I'm just going to give it to you. Judges 19, 22. I'm going to just read it. Because, dang. 
While they were celebrating, behold, men of the city, certain worthless and evil men, surrounded the house, pounding on the door. They spoke to the master of the house, the old man, saying, Bring out the man who came to your house so that we may have relations with him. You can look it up in different translations. It means what you think. So, the old man's like, nah, guys, fellow citizens. So, now, these are Benjamites. These are fellow citizens. Please do not act wickedly. Since this man has come to my house as my guest, do not commit this sacrilege. He goes on. It gets worse. Here is my virgin daughter and this man's concubine. I will bring them out now. Abuse and humiliate them. Do to them whatever you want, but do not commit this act of sacrilege against this man. I got a problem with this. Pappy, I got a problem. Um, First and foremost, why is it okay to do these things to women? And I get that it possibly is because it doesn't defile laws of nature um, that you had set out. But to humiliate, abuse, he's abuse and humiliate them however you want. That's awful. I, that's awful. And in reading this and in talking to you about this, because we've had this conversation before, um, I think we came down to, you agree, it's awful. That these were, as it says, worthless and evil men. Worthless and evil men. The thing that strikes me, these were worthless and evil Benjamites. Your men at this point have become worthless and evil. That's awful. I see this in the world now. Father, I see these worthless and evil men still today, and it's heartbreaking. And it doesn't stop there, it goes on. But the men would not listen to him. So the man, the old man, takes the Levite's concubine and brings her outside to them. Notice he did not mention his own daughter here doesn't mention his virgin daughter, which I'm thankful as a father, at least he saved his daughter, but come on, the concubine's a daughter too. Anyway, brings her outside of them. They have relations with her and abuse her all night until morning. When daybreak came, they let her go. And I'm just going to keep going because again, it keeps getting worse. At daybreak, the woman came and collapsed at the door of the man's house where her master was until it was fully light. I think the master is somewhat worthless and evil too, judging by this particular statement. Verse 27, when her master got up in the morning and opened the doors of the house and went out to go on his way, seemingly no care or concern for his concubine his secondary wife. He sees her lying at the door of the house and her hands were on the threshold. He says to her, get up and let's go. But there was no answer. 
for she had died. Then he put her body on the donkey, and the man left and went home. (coughs) And here we think, surely this is the worst of it, right? Surely. Surely the absolute worst has come and gone. We're, We're done. We're good. No. No, no, no. In my opinion, it gets even worse. When he arrives, and I'm just going to be honest with you, this is hard to read, it's hard to hear, so fair warning. This is where Quentin Tarantino reference comes in. Because if it's not enough of a horror movie yet, this will make Pulp Fiction look like child's play, in my personal opinion. When he arrived at his house, he took a knife, and taking hold of his dead concubine, he cut her limb by limb into 12 pieces and set her parts through all the territory of Israel. He has desecrated this woman's body. This woman who he clearly did not care for because he was ready to go out on his way. Because he was ready to let her let her be brutalized to save his own neck. This worthless man, this worthless man of the priestly tribe who is supposed to be the holiest tribe in all of Israel. And it keeps going. I do think that personally that's the worst of it, um, in my opinion. But I'm not surprised to see that things kind of do get worse. So, carrying on. All the tribes see this. And they say nothing like this has ever happened or been seen from the day that the sons of Israel came up from the land of Egypt to this day. Consider it, take counsel, and speak your minds. They are just as shocked, some of them, I'm sure, as I am. Then all the sons of Israel from Dan in the north to Beersheba in the south, including the land of Gilead, um, came out. And the congregation assembled as one. Now, all the chiefs assembled. They had 400,000 men on foot who drew a sword. Now the Benjamites, because we remember this all happened in the city that belonged to the tribe of Benjamite. One of the cities. They hear that the tribes have gone up to Mizpah and they say and that the sons of Israel have said how did this evil thing happen now here it's referring to the other tribes not the Benjamites okay when it in these verses when it's saying sons of Israel 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 this is this is all the other men who have gathered shocked at what's happening so The Levite explains, and here's what stinks. Listen 
Listen to this man's account and how he so beautifully leaves things out. I'd come with my concubine. This is Judges 20, verse 4. He replies, I have come with my concubine to spend the night in Gebeth, a town which belongs to the tribe of Benjamin. But the men of Gebeth rose up against me and surrounded the house at night because of me. They intended to kill me, but instead they raped my concubine so brutally that she died. I noticed that he carefully leaves out how he was not man enough to go out and face these men himself, that instead he sacrificed his concubine in his place, his secondary wife, whom he went and spent five days with her father, where she was safe, trying to convince him that she would too be safe with him, which was obviously not factual. So I'm not happy with this Levite Lord. I'm not happy with him. I'm not happy with him because I think he is also evil. I think he's also evil because he spent the five days with her dad. Because he was going to go on his way and had no regard. That after he had literally put her through that suffering. Had she been alive, he was telling her to get up so they could go. He was showing no sense of compassion for this woman whatsoever. Who he supposedly loved. Who he went and spoke kindly and softly to to convince her and her father for her to be with him then if that's not enough he cuts her body up keep in mind the israelites are not allowed to touch anybody any dead any dead person so not only did he desecrate her body he broke your law he did not give her the proper burial that she deserved at all which was very important in the culture but she wasn't allowed to have that and then he desecrated everyone else by sending human remains dead parts of anything it doesn't matter animal or otherwise to the rest of the people so that everyone who came in contact with it also was now considered unclean in the sight of the lord but again They're lawless. They're without you. They're not living by your statutes. These are evil men doing whatever they want, whatever they consider right in their own eyes. So, of course, he leaves out the full story. And he says, I took her. He's going to justify this. Listen, verse 6. So I took my concubine and I cut her corpse into pieces and sent her throughout the land of the inheritance of Israel. For the men of Gebeth have committed a lewd and disgraceful act. So it's okay for me to do the same, right? You know, they were wrong and I'll be wrong too because I'll, I'll shock you more. Father, I see this. I see this all over. Two wrongs are making rights in this country too. Help us. Now, then all of the sons of Israel, all of you, give your advice and counsel here regarding what should be done. So they all stand unified. None of us will go out of this tent. None of us will return home until this is, this is settled. This thing which we will do to Gebeth, we will go up lot by lot against it. So now Israel is fighting amongst themselves. They are... Not even warring against 
other countries now. No, we're, we're fighting against each other. So they go to Gibeth, to Benjamin, and they say to the men of Benjamin, Um, let's see. The Benjamins, this is when the Benjamins finally say, what is this evil thing that has been done among you? Oh, they sent, they sent men. I'm so sorry. They sent men. The tribes of Israel sent men through Benjamin and said, what is this evil thing that has been done among you? Now turn over the men involved, the worthless and wicked men, so that we may punish them and remove this wickedness from Israel. Here's the thing that shocked me more. I thought, I did, Father. I thought surely the Benjamites would be like, oh, no, absolutely, here they are. But this right here tells me that they're just as wicked and evil. But the Benjamites would not listen to the voice of their brothers, the sons of Israel. The sons of Benjamin gathered from the city to go out to battle against the other sons of Israel. So instead of giving up the men who did this evil, they choose war. They choose to protect these evil men. So basically, it goes on, and this is the first time now that I see the men of Israel asked God. They come to you and they ask you, who's going up first? How, how are we doing this? <coughs> The, the men of Benjamin appear to be winning on day one. Um, if memory serves me, it takes about three, three or four days, maybe five, um, for this to be settled. Um, by the end of it, the tribe of Israel does win. And you think, great, it's done, right? They have now resolved the problem. They've stomped out the evil and they can go on. But no, there's still evil lurking among them. They get saddened. Um, the Israelites get saddened about how they've swore to never give daughters to what few of the Benjamins, um, Benjamites are left. Um, I want to say there's like... Yeah. Yeah. They caught 5,000 of them. So there's 600 men fled to the wilderness rocks. So that's all that's left of the tribe of Benjamin is 600 men. After all of this, they went from 25,000 to 600. So you've just about decimated them. So they swear they're not going to give their own daughters to the tribe of Benjamin But then they get sad and they start weeping and they'd say to you, why is this outcome come about in Israel that they should be today one tribe missing from Israel? They're not asking you what to do. They're crying out and saying, why did you do this? They're blaming you for their own sin, for the sin of Benjamin. And at no point do they ask you what to do. They didn't then begin to make decisions on their own. So they decide which which tribe of Israel did not come up to help us because they swore that that tribe should certainly be put to death Um, and they felt sorry for their brother Benjamin so they're trying to figure out what to do for wives for the 
um, 600 men to keep the bloodlines um, going and, you know, to keep their tribe from dying out completely. Um, and they realized nobody from Jabesh Gilead had come. So they go to Jabesh Gilead because, what you know, slaughtering an entire population of um, one tribe is not enough. Um, they strike the inhibited inhabitants, including the women and the children. Lord, your people, how wicked are we? They find 400 young virgins. They keep those. They kill these girls' families. Slaughter them all before them and take them as slaves. And they give them to the Benjamite men who, um, you do the math, 600 men, 400 women, not enough, right? And these are evil men. These are men who wanted to rape other men and instead brutally raped and murdered a woman. So they sent word to the surviving Benjamins proclaiming peace and um, that they could return to their homeland. They gave them the women, the 400 girls, not women, girls, young girls. They kept alive from the women of Jabesh Gilead. But they were not enough to provide women for them. The people were sorry. The Israelites, they're so sorry. They had compassion for them, right? So what do they do, right? We think this this is enough. This is this has gone so far. Surely they're done. But no. They go on. What should we do for lo- wives of the men who are left? There must be inheritance for the survivors of Benjamin so the tribe will not be wiped from Israel. What about Jabesh Gilead? They don't deserve, they didn't deserve that, right? Not at all. So, there is a yearly feast of the Lord at Shiloh. If I remember correctly, isn't that where God's temple was supposed to be? That's not where it was currently. Um, because I know the covenant, Ark of the Covenant is in Bethel per um, Judges 20 verse 18. But still, there's a yearly feast of the Lord at Shiloh on each side of the highway that goes up to Bethel and Shechem. go they tell them keep in mind the men who slaughtered the evil men tell the what is left of the evil men verse 20 judges 21 verse 20 they instructed the sons of benjamin saying go and set an ambush in the vineyards and watch if the daughters of shiloh come out to dance in the dance then you shall come out of the vineyards and each of you shall catch his wife from the daughters You're going to go and kidnap women now. This is what you've come to. And it's not you, Lord, because I know none of this was by your design. None of this was what you asked for. But they're now kidnapping women. They murder, rape, and brutally murder one. Then the guy who thinks he's right cuts her into pieces. Then the men who think they are right go and 
wipe out the tribe because they refuse to give up the men, which I kind of feel is a little justified, but then they, then they feel remorse. And instead of coming to you, asking you for clarification and what they should do, which I'm pretty sure you would probably have said, let them die. Then they go and they kill another tribe and wipe them out completely and take their daughters. And now they're instructing them to go and steal other women and kidnap them. And it goes on to say, when their fathers or their brothers come to complain to us, we shall say to them, give them to us voluntarily, because we did not take a wife for each man of Benjamin in battle, nor did you give wives to them. For that, we could make you guilty of breaking your oath. So the sons of the tribe of Benjamin did as was instructed and took wives according to their number from the dancers whom they carried away. You imagine that day for any woman, for a man to just run up out of nowhere and snag you when you're just trying to dance in a field to celebrate your Lord? And they returned to their inheritance and rebuilt towns and lived in them. And they all lived happily ever after. Probably not. And the closing to this whole, whole thing. In those days, when the judges governed, there was no king of Israel. Every man did what was right in his own eyes. I mean, it doesn't that sum it up. They did this, all of this, all of this horrible, horrible, horribleness happened because men were doing what was right in their own eyes. It started with Micah and his mother worshiping God in, quote, their own way, right? It was against what you had told them. You said, don't make an image of me. And they said, well, you know, it's the right God, so we'll make an image of him. We'll worship him in our own way. I was wrong. But this is, this is men doing what's right. It's like those arguments of my Jesus would never, and I'm guilty. Lord, am I guilty? I have said my Jesus. I have said my Jesus would not. I have, those words have crossed my lips and I pray that you forgive me because if my Jesus is not the Jesus that comes from this word, then I don't have Jesus. There is only one. There is only one Jesus. And he is everyone's Jesus. And he can be found in the pages of this book. The book of Judges, if it teaches us nothing, if it teaches me nothing, it teaches me that men are wicked. Our hearts are wicked. Our eyes deceive us. But God is good. And had they just turned to God, none of this would have happened. None of this would have happened if God were ruling these people. But they'd removed you. And I see that in the world today. I see a world that is falling apart and is burning down. People screaming about, my Jesus would, my Jesus don't, my, like, no. Get the word. And let me tell you, your Jesus is not real. The Jesus 
the word of God that stands firm on the rock of salvation. He is real. And I feel like his heart's breaking for us right now. As I know his heart was breaking in these times throughout Judges witnessing the complete and utter just debauchery and hate and evil and wickedness. It's just, it's awful. So Lord, I pray you forgive us. I pray that you set us right. I pray that you guide us through. I don't want there to be a closing statement on my life that says in those days there was no king in Israel and every man did what they thought was right in their own eyes that's that's not what I want so I pray I pray that you don't let me have that I pray that you let our country heal you help us to heal that we all dive into your word that we all have a revival and get to know the one and only Jesus who is my Jesus who is everyone's Jesus and that we know if it doesn't align with your word it is not you it's very simple if it cannot be backed up by what is in the book before me it is false and if it is false, it is not from you. And if it is not from you, it is not for me. So I thank you, Lord. I thank you for, one, obviously, this is true. What is setting in front of me is truth. Why else would anyone in their right mind write such evil things? Like, what purpose would this serve if we were to say that our God was amazing, our God was powerful, our God is awesome, everyone should know him and love him, and then turn around and say... Oh, he's perfect. He's cupcakes and rainbows. This, this right here is what tells me you're real. The fact that you allow men to do this kind of stupidity and you let them record it for all generations to see what happens when you're not involved. That is what tells me that this is real. This is not some fairy tale. This is not some campfire story. This is fact. So God, I love you. I thank you. I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for your word. I thank you for this day, and I pray that you continue to be with us all, and uh, ask all things in Jesus' amazing name, the Jesus who is Jesus of all, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Get the word. It's possibly going to make you cry. It's gotten me many times, but it's worth it. Because this, I don't know if many know those stories. I didn't grow up knowing those stories. These are not, (laughs) this is not anything I've ever heard a sermon on. Um, It's hard and it hurts. But it's truth. And sometimes the truth does hurt. So get the word and uh, try to filter everything through the Lord. I pray he blesses you today.